Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan, and I'm with Rob McIntyre and Trace Armstrong. How are we doing, guys? Beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. It is a nice day. Uh, we are here to cover the last six episodes of The Inferno. Uh, we just released um, our second podcast episode on Inferno 2 that covers the middle uh, six episodes of The Inferno. Or I guess it wasn't really the middle episodes. Uh, Trace, do you remember which ones it was exactly? It was like six, 5 through was- 11. Fine. I mean, for our purposes, they were the middle episodes. Yeah, it was yeah. episodes 5 through 10, and we're starting with 11 today. And today we'll go 11 through the end of the season. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes. Uh, we actually just had a conversation about how we plan to add um, podcast episodes to Spotify and Stitcher. You can also find all of our podcast episodes on our website at thechallengechronicles.podbean.com. You can also buy your own Challenge Chronicles paraphernalia, i.e. t-shirts, at bigdubdiesel.com, dub with two Bs, and get your own Johnny Rule Police t-shirt, Challenge Chronicles t-shirt, and, oh, the original authentic Big Dub Diesel t-shirt. And with that, what did you guys think? I mean, to be fair, it actually isn't the original Big Dub Diesel t-shirt. For all intents and purposes, it is. For us, it will be. <laughs> and thank you to the 11 people in Sweden that each bought one. I still don't get that. How did that originally come up that we have? Like, I feel like even before we discussed this the last time, there was something that we initially found that showed that we have like a lot of listeners in Sweden. Our podcast statistics from iTunes show that we have at least a couple hundred people or not a couple hundred people. It's like 100 people in Sweden that are listening to the show. So to all you Swedes, we appreciate you. Maybe this we one's for like, you. This one's for you, Sweden. This one's maybe for we you. We should get our show uh, transcribed in Swedish then. <laughs> I want to hear that. Uh, how do you say no, no, no? Oh, you're wrong in Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So, what did we think about this last group of episodes on Inferno Two? I thought they were pretty meh. I thought they were good. I, I thought yeah. the middle ones. Are, I thought the middle ones in the first part were better. But I, yeah, I same. Thought they were good. Like I think, I think we really did reach a kind of like a downturn on the season after the last episode when Brad was eliminated because I thought the episode ten was very good, and then really episode eleven, the first episode that we'll discuss today, was pretty solid. But then after that, you can tell that the there wasn't a lot of drama that went on the house because they just continued to hit the beat of Tana, Tanya versus the three women. And you also noticed that there was a significant amount of time that they spent just focusing on the actual challenges themselves. So the challenges themselves took up, I feel like, a very high percentage of the show, whereas early in the, in the season, you didn't see that. Well, I mean, they only have 20 minutes of runtime on these episodes. And for some of them, they're fending in a mission and an elimination. And the other ones are fending in a mission and a deliberation. So there really isn't that much time for the house. Mm-hmm. The only well, real thing like- that they focused on, aside from the Tanya stuff, was like the open of Eleven, where... Landon and uh, Derek wrestle and Derek's bleeding mm-hmm. all over the place and that kind of thing. But other than that, like, yeah, Rob's right. Yeah. And I guess unless, well, I guess what else do we have to discuss? Um, I guess we can talk about, yeah, we'll do that th- at the end of this episode. I was about to say that we can talk about um, the special podcast that we'll do after uh, the end of Inferno two, which I guess, Rob, do you want to give a brief overview before we dig in deep at the end of the episode? 
just so um, if people still want to go vote, there's still a survey up on Google Forums if you want to go check it out We're on the top female competitors, and we'll have our top six show releasing on that soon. Perfect. All right. Episode 11. So episode 11, um, everyone starts out at the bar at the top of the episode. Landon's getting wasted. Uh, and then Landon and Derek uh, start to wrestle in the middle in the middle of a Mexican street. Right. We're in Mexico. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're in Mexico. From what I remember. Still. Um, Derek uh, or Landon slams Derek into the wheel of a car uh, or of the van that they're uh, they all ride in. Um, Derek's ear starts to, to bleed and he ends up having to go to the hospital to get stitches. Um, and as they get back to the house, Landon starts to walk up the stairs to the house and almost like falls completely backwards down the stairs before Dan runs over and catches him. Oh yeah. If he, um, had, he would have ate it. Yeah. Like he, in the direction that he was falling in, he, he would have like literally just hit like the back of his head. I mean, on we're the talking stairs. like, possible skull fracture type yeah like and with like all of his weight going backward too like nothing to like catch himself um but they get land into bed he's completely blacked out um i think the next day he says that he remembers like pretty much none of it um darrell starts to like slam a pillow against him and hit him with a pillow uh people start to take a sharpie and draw a bunch of like stuff on his back um then Derek gets back from the hospital after his stitches have been completed and he takes a uh, electric shaver and starts to carve out pieces of hair from Landon's head. And I thought a really funny moment was the next day once Landon wakes up and he's at the table eating breakfast and he kind of like sees Derek in the distance across the room. They just both look at each other and start to laugh at each other over everything that happened the night before. Yeah, there's something about drunken camaraderie on the challenge that kind of like a good night's sleep kind of erases all the hate. <laughs> and not always. Not always, but especially in this time frame, it was. You can tell that they were like pretty lighthearted about it, which is good to see. They didn't like take anything about it personal, even though that like this, like between two other people could have turned into a different type of uh, interaction. But I guess the last part that we need to talk about before we get into the challenge for episode 11 is the haircut that uh, Landon gets and will wear for, I think he wears it for the rest of the season, doesn't he? I think so. Yeah, I remember him in the final wearing it. So Yeah, so now that Landon has this like bald spot on the back of his head that he doesn't want to have, uh, CT and Darrell give him a haircut that, I don't know, how would the two of you describe it? Not not flattering. I don't even like. It's, it's kind of like, like, like it's like in the, it's like um well they like they like shave it down the middle and a little bit on the sides. He looks like he looks like an Icarus basically. Okay, it yeah that's uh I don't know. Go look it up. That's all I have to yeah, say. But yeah, this is the, yeah. Well, let's move on. There's no there's no haircut that you've ever seen that would be a good comparison. Let's put it like that. No. <laughs> well, Maybe this, I should make that the cover unique. of the episode. We had some other good ones come up. I don't remember exactly. There there were at least a couple other ones that I wrote down that, that I said this is potential album artwork. Um, probably all of which include CT. Um, what did we do? Uh, what did we decide was the album artwork for the last episode? 
I don't remember. I'll have to go back and look. Okay. I think but we had like we know last episode it was the one where they're standing on the mission that Devin hates. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The stupid yeah. one in the water. How did we oh, I forget love, that? I, I was a big fan of that. Which mission. by the way made up the majority of the episode, which made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> uh, that, that, I was Let, a big let's fan not get of started mission. on it. Let's, <laughs> let's just move on. Move on. <laughs> we can't talk about that. <laughs> It'll do go way us, sideways. Do any of us remember the name of Oh the Lord. It oh, was um, what, what's it called? Hold on. I, uh, short off my back. Yeah, yes, sure off, off my back. back. Oh. All right. And that transi- transitions us into the challenge for this episode, which is called Riddle Me This. And I kind of enjoyed this one. Um, the object of this uh, contest is that you have to transport three items, a bale of hay, a wolf that's a, sen- a pinata that's in the shape of a wolf, and a giant life-size papier-mâché cow from the beach to this island that's kind of like in the middle of this lagoon. And you have to do it according to the rules of this riddle. And I don't know if they ever broadcasted what the riddle was, but the basic premise is that you cannot use the... You cannot leave the wolf and the cow alone at the same time because the wolf will eat the cow and you cannot leave the cow and the bale of hay alone at the same time because the cow will eat the bale of the bale of hay. So you have to configure it in a certain way that each of those items aren't with each other at the same time. So one eats the other and you are given a boat to transport each of the items from the beach shore to the island and each team has to do it kind of with just their hand hands and arms and i thought this one was very entertaining and i feel like this probably played out a little bit differently than what production thought this would be because it turns out to be kind of like um like a a very aggressive and almost like violent um challenge yeah it did and the badasses were a hot mess because they couldn't figure out you know to be in a boat you don't want to uh, go too crazy or it will sink. <laughs> Did they yeah, all they, have to go in the boat? Like how many were supposed to go in the boat? They all had to be in the boat together for the whole time or they had, oh, as they were going back and forth. Well, I also didn't get is that when, so when they took an item from the beach to the Island, did everyone have to get out of the boat once they got to the Island? Because a lot of the time you would see people like jump out of the boat when, one person could have just taken the item by themselves to the off of the dock and onto the island and came back in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I don't know that they got that explicit. If they did, they didn't air it. Right, we didn't have Johnny Mosley to really lay out the rules for us in this one. So we we have a Johnny. Hey guys, Mosley you're not all moment. out of the boat. Get out of the boat. We have a Johnny Mo- Mosley moment later in this podcast episode, but we do. Yeah. Well. I think right when it happens, you'll remember what uh, what I'm talking about. But okay. Julie knows the answer to the riddle before it starts. Um, it's a pretty so, common riddle. Like, yeah, this is a very common riddle. It's not always with a fox and a cow, and uh, but like it's very similar to the riddle. So, but yeah, I guess I don't know if I explicitly stated that. So they just know the items that are part of the challenge before they know the riddle, 
And once the challenge starts, they have to uncover the riddle and read the riddle and then decide um, how it should be performed. But the bad asses actually get out to a little bit of a lead. And then the once they get out to the island and come back, they're just, like Trace said before, a hot mess and can't paddle the boat. They start to take on water and the good guys start to pull away. And the only other noteworthy moment of this challenge is in the final leg when the good guys put their final item on the island and come back to start to row to shore to win the challenge, the badasses try to box them in to uh, the dock so that they can't steer out of the dock and go to the finish line. And in the process of doing so, I think Dave Mira, they don't explicitly show it, but he... They show him kind of yelling at the badasses, um, I think tells them that they can't do this. Uh, and the good guys end up winning. But before the badasses can row to shore, their boat completely sinks in the water. <laughs> so yeah. that was think, the go ahead. I think this is a mission where you can really see like having the extra people really hurt them. I this so this comes up here and this comes up in another challenge later in this episode where I don't get if having more or less people in a boat helps you row more or less with greater or less speed. You know what I mean? Because at the same time you have more people so you have more strength to be able to row faster but you also have the additional weight. So I it's true. like like I don't I just don't know how that works. Like I literally do not know. Because in well, both instances, the good guys. I think, I think the extra people win. causing the boat to sink more really just is what does them in. Because like, or is, it, or is it the people? Or is it the people that they have that it's the badasses and they can't get their shit together? Well, I and think that's more of where I think it is. They were no, too many. I, I of think them. the extra way part sinking the boat. Also, when you have extra people, you still have to be coordinated for the rowing to be effective. Yeah. So it was uh, those specific people that they just were not able to be coordinated. They were just all over the place. But that gets us into deliberation. For the good guys, Jamie and Shavonda want to go with Tanya. Julie wants to go with Veronica. And they talk about whether or not that they should employ the previous strategy that they did when the uh, situation with Jody came up where whoever the badasses pick to go into elimination for the good guys will then call out the person that they want to go with. And the badasses decide that they want to send in, remind me, they want to send in Julie, but they are afraid that Julie will employ this strategy of changing her vote. And we get this comic. I thought this was a comical moment. Rachel really goes down in my mind in this season for me. Because she like cannot get over the fact that this is allowed within the rules and thinks that this is somehow cheating when it is clearly allowed and goes over to the good guys and confronts them about this and asks if they they will employ this strategy again because the badasses are afraid that if they vote in Julie, Julie will change her vote from Tanya, which is what the good guys want to do. And send in Veronica instead. And she's afraid that Veronica will go home. What do you guys I, think? 
It's just like, can you imagine nowadays if you could like look at the elimination and then pick which pair you want to go against? Like, how crazy they would be now. You know, I this is one of those things where I know that Rachel had won a season prior to this season, but if I could label her with one word for this season, I would say paranoid. Like, she is legitimately paranoid that this game is out of her control and she doesn't like it. And Rachel is just a bad social player early on yeah. in the history of the challenge because remember, she had the moment last season where. Uh, she pretty much like well, she just overplayed her hand politically. Yeah. yeah, she's like old Katie Doyle that uh, she would probably be <laughs> the one that would be sent in or sent home if she was in the inner circle and they lost the challenge. And so Katie then refused to go into the inner circle. And then what happened? Is that the episode that Veronica went home? So then no, Veronica- that's the episode Rachel went home. Yeah. OK. Rachel yeah, so wound up, up taking the home. spot. Yeah. So that I was I, I almost think it's not even like it's not even worth talking about. It's just it's just so not with what should be happening in the game. Yeah, I and it's so interesting. Obviously, she learned from her mistakes because she comes to duel two, plays the perfect political game and physical game and then wins the thing. So, you know, she yeah, figured it, it out. She didn't even have to try that much politically on duel two, though. That's true. Well, she pretty much dominated the female side. So that's fair enough. We. We talk. We talked about this in some of the earlier seasons that we did episodes on, and we kind of glaze over it now. But you really continue to see the contestants become more self-aware when it comes to strategy on the show, because we get it a little bit at the end of this season, and that it t- people are upset when people from their team go home, when really if someone from your team goes home, it's actually a good thing, because. Mm-hmm. That means well, I, I, I don't think that's a blanket statement, but for the most part, yes. In general, because that means you have less people to share the money with in the end. So, like, yeah. if they lose, like, if uh, the good guys lost Landon, yeah, it wouldn't be a good thing. Um, but if they lose someone like Shavonda or Joel. John, they're losing a weaker player, which is good, right? So it makes their team stronger, and at the same time they have more money to split between them in the mm-hmm. event that they win the final challenge. Agreed. That That's kind of why I think we will never see that old school, new school team challenge that you hear about There's on a the lot internet. Of why that's not happening. There's a lot of reasons, but I think that's part of the reason that MTV doesn't want it to happen is that very reason is it's like, what do you do? <laughs> I just don't know how it works anymore. Like the ruins is the last real team challenge we've oh, had. Oh no, right? the cutthroat. Oh, well, and, bat- and Battle of the Seasons is like kind of a hybrid season. You know what, though? I would say Cutthroat, even though it is technically a team challenge, that was a very different season because well, you're, there's, three. there's three teams. And so to me, it's a different animal. And I think uh, actually I like Cutthroat would work now. Like they could go back to I a just, Cutthroat style season. I mean, that, that seems like almost another topic for another podcast. Yeah, like, you're I, right. I, just don't, I don't think that. I just don't think that's the direction that they seem to want to be going. I think if they ever did a team season again, you'd have a like almost function survivor style where it'd go to individual uh, three quarters, uh, two thirds of the way through or something. Yeah, probably so. Uh, for this particular uh, deliberation, as we get into it, though, uh, you brought up an interesting point about how, you know, you lose people, you make more money, and then maybe you get rid of a weaker player. I realized something when I was doing uh, watching the show 
Landon is the only good guy that actually survives elimination this season. Yeah, no, I, the, the, yeah, so I've hmm. seen that before, but he's the only person who does. Every other good guy that goes into elimination loses. Hmm. So, that I mean, that, I mean, it, it, quite frankly, as they would say in, in later seasons, they trimmed the fat, even though they didn't want to. And it made their final team really, really lean, mean, and good. And whereas, because the badasses couldn't communicate, they're just a hot mess. So anyway, I know I'm skipping ahead, but I just thought that no, was interesting fine. you said yeah, that. Yeah, because what I also thought was interesting, too, is that the good guys end up with more money in their team bank account. They went eight challenges to the badasses seven. They just happen to have people lose eliminations. And mm-hmm. that's what it came down to. But that gets us into episode 12, where... Julie talks about how she feels like it's tough to get motivated against Tanya, uh, going against Tanya in the Inferno, which is ironic because Julie goes home against Tanya. And there really isn't much that happens before the challenge in this episode. And this is kind of what we touched on earlier, that I feel like a higher percentage of each episode um, becomes encompassed by the challenge instead of the events outside of uh, the challenge in the Inferno. But the challenge for episode 12 is called time to ride. And the object is to get to the finish line as fast as you can on a, what are these called? Like they're like mini motorized bikes. Mini bikes. So they have a driving course that is elevated above water. And you have two paths that you can take. You can take a straight path to the finish line, which is, 45 feet long, but the road that you have to drive on is 16 inches wide before you fall off into the water. Or you can take a much longer path around that is 240 feet long, but is six feet wide. So it's much easier to navigate around. And I actually kind of like this one um, quite a bit. It's very similar to the one that they did in the first Battle of the Sexes, where they had the scooters that you had to... uh, move around on and you could either take the short path or the long path, Mm -hmm. but there were, you could DQ if you wreck, wreck the bike or if you fell in the water. And there was also another way that you could DQ, which comes up multiple times that if your feet are not on the pegs of the bike for a significant amount of time. So if you kind of like stick your legs out and try and use your legs to like balance yourself, as you go through the course, you could also DQ as well, and that comes up multiple times. But the there are only two people that try and take the short path to the finish line, one of which is Abe, who <laughs> goes first and almost immediately falls off. And then after this happens, the good guys decide that every one of them should just take the long way at this point because if everyone takes the long way and finishes, they'll win the challenge because they will mm-hmm. have more people that have completed it than the good guys, which the Miz then ensues to go finishes <laughs> the course completely after he goes through the long way and then rides his bike through the finish line and off the edge of the dock <laughs> in the finish line and into the water. And Dave <laughs> Mira DQs him. This is the Johnny Mosley moment that I was talking about. This whole this challenge. I don't know. I mean, I guess because the rule was the bike can't go in the water. Yeah. If if your bike winds up in the water, period, you're DQ'd. 
No, it's BS because you're over the finish line. It's over. It's done. It's like if when you score a touchdown, once you like cross the plane of the end zone, the play is dead. Well, evidently not, Devin. You know, this this whole challenge really was Johnny Rule Police's wet dream for real, because I mean, between people not being able to put their feet down for certain. Can you just hear that whistle? DQ out. And he's like wearing a motorcycle helmet and a leather jacket. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this mission. I'm not going to lie. There's, there's one part in this mission that I, I just I just am a big fan of. When we get to it here, the Julie one, I I legitimately, even though I knew it was coming, because I'd seen this season obviously a few times, I laughed my butt off last night. It was so hilarious. It's so funny. Let's just get to it now. Let's just get to it now. So it gets to the point where Julie is, I think, one of the last people left to go. And if Julie crosses the finish line successfully, they win. The good guys win the mission. And instead, Julie decides that she wants to take the short route in the hopes that she can win the life shield and not have to go to the inferno that night. And because of that, she jeopardizes the good guy's ability to win the challenge. She gets like maybe five feet off of the dock on the short route, (laughs) falls off and like it almost looks like she could have like broken her leg as like her it's leg is like trapped trapped under the bike and in between the road and falls off into the water. <laughs> What's she saying to herself again? I, I should have written. I this can down. do anything through Christ who gives me strength. That as a Christian, I know the verse. It's hilarious. It's a good verse, but like just her like crazy look in her eye, like she looked a a, a bit uh, psycho as she was preparing a to bit? do it. <laughs> and then to just see her put that crazy smile on and then just eat it like it just was i know that she is a great person i actually found her uh on the internet and she and her husband and all their kids seem to be doing great so good for her but this is not her best moment oh it's so funny though jamie fell really hard too and mm-hmm. what was funny about jamie's is that she went the long route and on the long route there's kind of like a large straightaway when you first get started and she gets up a lot of speed. And then once the straightaway veers off to the left, she is completely out of control and pretty much just flies off the road (laughs) into the water. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was, it was an entertaining challenge. Like it, it on the surface, you would look at this challenge and go, Oh, here we go. It's one of those ticky-tack game type things. And even though there was some ticky-tack rules, it was still really entertaining. And it looked like the uh, challengers were actually having a lot of fun doing it as well. So I think when their enthusiasm level is up, even on a lame challenge, and this wasn't even that lame, but even on a challenge that doesn't look like it's a whole lot on the surface, if they're enthusiastic about it, it adds a lot to the entertainment factor. Yeah, I agree. Derek and Landon are the Life Shield winners for this as the badasses win and Derek, I say, I'll, I'll say before we move on when he takes his turn, he looks like he's just like driving this on the street pretty much. Like he's able to like fly through this. (laughs) Yes. But that gets us into the inferno where Julie shows up wearing a Jesus is real shirt. uh, Oh Lord. Some inspiration for the inferno. The, I don't remember the exact name for this one, but this is 
a the original version of the Jordan versus remind me the name. Um, the name. Jordan versus Bird. No, no. So I'm, I'm confused as to what you're referencing. Too. I don't know. With either. the jump suits, they did this challenge. Oh, Jordan uh, versus Ammo. Yeah, versus Ammo. Okay. Where the object of this challenge is that you have it's called to patchwork. Patchwork. Put on a jumpsuit, and there are 27 patches that are attached to your jumpsuit with Velcro. And the person that you're going against has to try and take off the patch that is on your jumpsuit and then place it within a basket uh, that belongs to them. And the person with the most patches by in the baskets, by the time the challenge is over, wins the competition. So you can technically remove a patch and not place it in the basket and have it fall to the ground and not receive a point for that. And to make this a little bit more difficult and add a different dynamic, both competitors will be suspended to bun- a bungee system while they, c- they compete in the challenge. And this one was fine. I don't know. I didn't really like think yeah, too much of this one, one way or the other. It was fine. You know what was interesting to me, though, is had I never seen this season before— Walking into the Inferno, I would have immediately picked Tanya just because of her demeanor. She's not always known as being the person that gets zoned in and just goes after it. But she looked really determined walking in there. And it was obvious Julie was going to lose to me. Like, it just, I knew Julie. Tanya's Tanya's an underrated competitor. Like, people just think of her as a crazy person. But if you look at her, like, her competitive record, it's pretty good. Yeah, those these first early seasons, she really is a really good competitor. She just never could get together for a final, or she'd get eliminated right before a final. So, yeah, it, I mean, she, it, does, it was, she ended up winning one season too. So, yeah, she does win Inferno three. So she did get a win. I didn't think this one was that great of one to watch. I also, how far in advance do you think they're planning out these eliminations? Like Not morning good. of. <laughs> It's like, all right, what do we got lying around in the equipment room today? Let's throw some stuff together. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Although but, I do I do give them a bit of a mulligan here because this is like this is the first time they have like an actual elimination arena. So this is kind of like the if you're going to have this elaborate set, it kind of, I think, woke them up to maybe we should put some more thought into these eliminations if well, we're going to spend this much money. You don't even need that much thought in eliminations, honestly. Like if you look back at most of the, like a lot of the best eliminations, they aren't that complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, my favorite being um, X Battle. Yeah, like the X Battle, Pole Wrestle, Powerball. These aren't these aren't like these don't take that much to set up. Tanya narrowly defeats Julie. She's able to retrieve 23 patches and place them into her basket versus Julie's 22 patches. And after the challenge, um, Rachel, Tina, and Veronica seem disappointed that Tanya was actually able to win. That continues that dynamic. And beside that, everyone goes to the club that night. Tanya is disappointed that... uh, Rachel, Tanya, and Veronica don't go uh, to the bars with them to celebrate her victory. And that gets us into episode 13, where the previously on, right off the bat, mentions mentions Dan and talks about the first time that he went into the Inferno. So that should be uh, your huge signal that he is now going to be nominated nominated for the Inferno (laughs) this episode. And 
before the challenge, uh, everyone is shown at the pool having a belly cop, but belly flop contest. And Tanya's really is quite incredible. She just like commits to it and like lands like, like a brick in the water. But there is other conversation about how, uh, after this in the next scene, between Rachel, Veronica, and CT about who they should put in for uh, the good guys to knock out Dan in the next Inferno deliberation. And this is really one of, we mentioned, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but this is really one of the first signs that you see that uh, people, some people in the game realize that it's not necessarily bad to lose someone. And at this point, CT wants to get rid of Dan to one, make more money and to make the team stronger. Uh, how he ba- how he goes about it could probably use a little bit of refinement, um, but he at least gets the idea of what's going on. This is the last guy's Inferno, and that gets us into the challenge for episode 13, which is called If Memory Serves. And this is a pretty straightforward challenge. Did they do ever do anything like this before? I tried to think of it, but I'm not sure if they did. Um, I don't know. Well, let's discuss it, and then we have something that might come to mind. The object of this challenge is to memorize all of the objects in a room that is placed in front of you, and there are 79 items in the room, and you have two minutes to look at the room, remember the objects in the in the room. And then each team gets their own room that they can go into and recreate the objects in the room. And each team also gets to nominate one team lead to physically go into the room and get a better look at each of the objects. Once the stage of the challenge starts where you are left to recreate the room, you get 10 minutes to make it as close as possible to the original room. And... This one was fine. Um, I didn't think this one, this is probably like a replacement level challenge from the early seasons, but (laughs) Jamie is the team lead for the good guys. Dan is the team lead for the badasses. And there's not really much to talk about this one. What do you guys think? No, I think it's fine though. Like it's all, this one's also nice because you can kind of do it as well while you're watching them as they go along and see like what you missed, what you would have gotten. I also thought that this one would like, from a judging perspective, this one I feel like is impossible to score. Oh yeah. I don't know how. Because I don't think it's that hard. Like you just, who has more right? No, because like, so like, for example, like there's a coffee table in the middle of the room that you have to recreate. Right. And there are like a bunch of like chips that are like display a uh, poker chips that are displayed in a specific way. So what if you have poker chips there and they're not displayed the right way? Or also, what's the point structure then? Is it like one point per poker chip? Or yeah, like, I don't, I don't care how it works. I think or it's just one point chips. for like grouping of items. So like the poker chips have to be right. If one of them's wrong, you don't get any points. Flow thing. Yeah, like that would be how I'd score it, and I think that's probably how they did. I, I'm, I'm sure they just did it the simplest way possible, so that's probably yeah. what it was. 
But the good guys end up crushing the badasses on this. Out of the total of 79 points that you can receive for this challenge, the good guys get 61, and the badasses, badasses win with 53. And what makes this really impressive is that the good guys did this with three less people. So that's three yeah. less people to remember where items were placed. Do we think that this is more or less impressive than cast a spell from last season when Steven was eliminated from the men's team before the elimination where they had to uh, spell as many words as they can with a certain amount of letters and the guys won with one less letter. I, I think cast a spell was more impressive because this one, I definitely think having extra people helps, but with that one, the extra per that I legitimately unlocked like an entire set of words that were worth more points to the girls and then they still lost. Yeah, I would say it's more impressive, but I don't want to take away from this either, but you know, this, this challenge was the epitome of how terribly the badasses communicate. Like, quite frankly, like the good guys for whatever their physical uh, drawbacks were at that times. Physically, I don't think there's. It's not as big a deficit okay, like, as like Landon, like Landon Durrell Miz is not exactly a, you know, hogwash. Right. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And it, it it's one of those things, though, where you watch this and it's like Jamie was absolutely the right person to do the the initial look up. And then they just communicated well while they were doing that two minute thing like this was here. This was here. And they all had their little section and they got it right. So, yeah, like I think it's extremely impressive. It, not as impressive as the spelling one, but it is very impressive. That brings the team bank accounts to $70,000 for the badasses to $60,000 for the good guys. We transition into deliberation where Landon and Darrell want to throw in Dan. The Miz has his head in the sand and wants to throw in CT. I think literally because he knows that no one will actually agree with him and vote in CT. <laughs> and the badasses decide that this is, is this where we get the, confrontation between ct and dan or well, is that a few different in, instances where we get a confrontation but this CT is the initial dan. one right this is where uh dan says that uh oh yeah this isn't where we have the big blow up um so throughout this episode and the next episode we get multiple blow-ups between ct and dan but this is kind of the um the initial jumping off point where dan says that ct doesn't think that he can win um they talk about how they are tired of voting in the Miz and that they decide that they want to vote in Landon, correct? Landon. Yes. Landon. They go to nomination. The badasses decide that they're going to throw in Landon and the good guys uh, nominate Dan. And after the nomination, um, Dan starts to uh, pack his bag uh, in preparation for the Inferno, which at this point is the next day, so I don't know. He's getting a really he big head start. So this actually may have been like this actually may have been taken from the following day and then edited in. Or I don't yeah, know he's using this as like a, a diversion tactic where people think he's just going to tank it. I guess, but he starts to get really emotional in front of Tanya and Julie, um, and they have a moment as we head into episode fourteen, where before the challenge. Um, Landon makes a huge mistake. Uh, this is something that happens a lot in Survivor where it's an open and shut decision about who you will vote off that night. And someone makes the blunder of deciding to tell the person that everyone's going to vote off 
that they are going home that night, which gives them the opportunity to figure out what they want to do. And I feel like nine times out of 10, that person doesn't end up going home. And in this case, Landon tells Darrell that if he wins the lifesaver, he is going to put in Darrell into uh, the Inferno. (laughs) So another case of, this being at the early stages of the challenge and people are still learning how to play. Like this is definitely something that wouldn't happen today or would be much more. I, I don't today. know about that. About what? I think it could happen today. Obviously it's hard to draw a correlate. Cause we have had a team season with life shields and Inferno three, but I definitely think it could happen today. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You yeah, couldn't see know. like turbo doing something like this. Who knows? I, I do not know, but I, yeah, it's just, let's put it like this. It's not the best move. It's not, no, it's it not the not. best move no. you can make. Why would no. you want to show your cards to other people that can control your fate? Well, I think at this point, they're still, still thinking of the team as one unit. And they just, like, he's just thinking, hey, I'm going to tell him he's going probably going in beforehand because he's not going to want to vote in the miss. Like, I, I just think he's thinking of it as, it'd be, it's like if you're a point guard telling their power forward, hey, if you miss this jump shot, we might have to pull you out. Yeah, and Durrell has always been like a self-preservation guy in the game. Not that he's not no. a team player, but like in season one, when Timmy volunteered to go in at one point when they were talking, Durrell was like, "No, Timmy, 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 no, no, don't say that." <laughs> so, this is where we get the first big blow up between Dan and CT. CT, as they start to get ready for the challenge, they're in each of their rooms, and. Each of the teams is in each of their rooms. And CT asks Dan who he'll throw into uh, the Inferno if he wins the Life Shield that day. And Dan's first initial response in uh, classic early 2000s fashion is, your mother. Uh, and then CT God. keeps pestering uh, Dan about who he's going to throw in. Dan keeps saying that he doesn't know. And I think at this point, like, CT is just really nervous and very aware that he could be the one (laughs) that's being sent in, in this challenge and or sent in if dad, or if Dan wins the life shield and he's nervous about it, not in the sense that he could be going in, but that he could be going in against Landon. And that really is kind of the, I guess like, Next step beyond the nomination in the previous episode that he didn't think about that if he sends in, if the badasses send in Dan and Dan wins the life shield, then he's probably going to go in against whoever the badasses actually choose. But at this point in time, there aren't really any good options to put in on the good guys because it's either the Miz Landon or Darrell and if you're CT who would you rather go in against those three guys I'd say Darrell I don't he, I'd he say the Miz like are you kidding me I Darrell doesn't seem like he's in as good a shape this season and like for, I don't elim- know. for elimination purposes I think for, for I think overall I would say Darrell is better but for elimination purposes Miz is still pretty big because if you t- yeah but um there to this point we've seen like one elimination that's like they, physical yeah, strength that's, against fair. Strength. that's fair and in this one, in the elimination that we have for the Inferno in this episode, I would say that CT would have beaten the Miz 
but it would have been really close against Landon. What, what do you think about Durrell? I think he beats Durrell. Probably, but I think he beats The Miz more easily than he beats Durrell. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think Durrell... And I think that's because he's CT. I, like, I don't think Durrell really gets to, like, to be in super great challenge shape until Fresh Meat 1 and especially the Ruins. I Here's think this a might great... Be, I think that, and then I'll let you go. I think this might be like peak CT challenge shape. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about that before. I think you could definitely argue this was his best season. Yeah. The, here's a good question about Darrell. Was there ever a season where he really went into elimination other than the ruins and fresh meat? Because uh, I can't remember a single instance of well, him invasion, going to elimination. He, well, invasion, he beats Bananas and Zach. Yeah, but and see, I don't count his comeback as much because the game's very different. And he is an elite player in this time frame. Well, but there's a lot frame. of people who just skirt by eliminations this time frame, though. Yeah. yeah. And I just third season. He's on, he goes three seasons without going into an elimination. Three seasons. Yeah. And then I think he does it again in his next one until you get to fresh meat. Well, you know, this, his next one is fresh meat, too. Is fresh uh, oh, meat. it is? I thought he was in Gauntlet, too. My bad. No, he's not. In fresh, his next one's fresh meat, and um, he goes into... I think it's just the one where he beats Derek. Yeah. It's just the one where he he interviews beat Derek and DM, and he probably wouldn't have done that had Derek and DM not made that mistake in the game. Yeah, anyway. but we we'll get to that when we get to that season. The challenge for episode what episode are we? This is episode fourteen. This is fourteen. 14. Yeah, what was that? Fourteen, I believe, is crab grab, and how the challenge starts is that each each contestant is buried in the sand. Uh, up to your neck and once the whistle blows you have to unbury yourself from the sand get out of the sand run to the the ocean grab a crab out of this large bin uh, that has a bunch of crabs inside take the crab run back up shore and place the crab that you retrieved into a bucket and repeat this process 10 times. So this one is pretty straightforward, but the way that it's designed leads to a lot of uh, contention between the contestants because once you unbury yourself from the sand, you have an option. And I don't know if the producers actually thought this out or they just lucked into this, but once you unbury yourself, you can either run to the ocean and get a crab and start the second phase of the challenge, or you can help your team members and make it so that they can get out of the sand faster with your help. And this means that if you're Dan on the badasses, you have the opportunity to get out of the sand, not help anyone on your team and get a head start on the second leg of the challenge where you have to retrieve the, retrieve the crabs. And before the challenge starts, the badasses are in a conversation about what what their strategy should be, and they decide that they should help the team, each other's teammates once they get out of the sand. And CT starts to ask Dan if he plans to help everyone else once he gets out of the sand. And Dan like doesn't give CT a direct answer. And this leads CT CT to just pretty much scream at Dan. 
And this is really where you can see this, the fear in CT that he thinks it's like legitimately possible that he could be going into an elimination, the last male elimination against Landon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I can't blame him. I mean, Rob might just actually, I think Rob will agree. Like, I think that's the way you play it. Well, I yeah, the way to play it, like yeah. you get you get frenetic, or like the way to play it in terms of don't go into elimination. Don't go into yeah. elimination. Well, obviously, yeah. Like you go ahead. Like I mean, go ahead and get a couple crabs in, and then go help the rest of your team and make sure you stay ahead. Yeah, this is the, this is another instance where I don't think this is anything out of the ordinary, really. Like this is just what you would kind of expect to happen, almost. Yeah, but if you're Dan, so here, let's let's start the challenge. The challenge starts. The badasses start to try and dig themselves out of the sand. And Dan decides that once he's out, he's going to help his teammates. If you're Dan, you have to go to the water and get the crabs. I don't at this point, like he's, I think, just like intimidated by CT and CT is like gaslighted him. And there's no way that he's going to the water before all of his teammates are out of the sand. And I think this is a, a huge mistake by him. What do you guys think? Um, I think it's just hard to say because we don't know what his motivations are. Yeah, I mean, if he if he doesn't care whether or not he wins the challenge or is in the final mission, then yeah, this is a fine decision. But if his goal is to win, this is a bad decision. Yeah, I would say it was a poor decision, especially CT's already screaming at you, so you're really not going to piss him off a whole lot more. So you might as well go ahead and try to win it. Uh, yeah. I think just back in this town, there's still such a team mindset that they a lot of people just don't really think that way. Darrell obviously does, but yeah. Which, does which Dan come back again after this? This no. is his last season. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Rob mentioned that uh, Darrell and on the good guys side of things, uh, they also decide before the challenge that they will help each other get out of the sand once you get out of the sand. And Darrell, once he is out of the sand, immediately runs to the ocean and retrieves a crab before everyone else is out of the sand. And he ends up winning the life shield for this episode. He will not go into the inferno. And after the challenge is complete, uh, Landon and Mike talk about how they were surprised that Darrell took off like that. And if you're Darrell, the right move. But it definitely caused a little bit of tension that was not there before the challenge started. The good guys win this challenge after it's all said and done. They even the team bank accounts to $70,000 a piece. CT wins the lifesaver for the badasses. Darrell wins the lifesaver for the good guys. And that gets us into the Inferno. Inferno 4, episode 14. Which I thought this one was pretty good. This is the type of uh like device that you see at climbing gyms where there are there is a wall with holes placed within them within it and you have to take pegs and climb up the wall as you remove the peg from the hole and then reach your arm higher to place the peg into another hole and climb up to the top as quickly as you possibly can and this one isn't a straight path to the top. It kind of zigs and zags. But once you get to the top, you have to reach up, grab a flag and retrieve your flag 
and the first person to retrieve their flag wins the elimination for episode 14. And this one at the start was actually closer than you would think. I don't know if Landon had like some like difficulty adjusting at the start, but once we got to the second part of this, he pulls away and defeats Dan. What did you guys think of this one? I thought it was a good elimination. I think Dan just got flustered. I think he would have probably been closer, but he got flustered trying to transition. And then when Landon passed him, he stayed flustered. Yeah, these are tough. I don't know if either one of you have ever. Uh, I've done, done pegboards. Or, yeah, it's these hard. are tough. It, you can't use your legs at all. It literally is how much upper body strength do you have? How good hand-eye coordination do you have to keep one hand fully and firmly wrapped around a peg while you transition uh, to another one? It's not easy, and yeah, it's hard. <laughs> the deck was stacked against Dan here. This is this challenge was made for Landon. I think that on one of the recent interviews that I heard Landon do, he talked about that if he were to go back and compete in the challenge again one of the ways that he would train for the challenges, he would like start to go to the, a climbing gym, uh, a lot more. I don't know if he, it's like, funny he, he already seemed like he was so good at climbing. Yeah. Like this is literally like, like what he does. And so it's not a surprise that he beats Dan here. And after the challenge, uh, CT says that, in a confessional that he doesn't have any bad feelings towards Dan. Um, and as each of the badasses walks out of the inferno and says goodbye to Dan, CT kind of just like gives him a peace sign and goes, which was funny, but <laughs> do we have anything to say about episode 14 before we get to the last female inferno? The only other thing I'll say about the, the CT and Durrell situation with them going ahead and not helping their team. It, it's also what they they knew this was going to be the last male inferno. So to me, if it's like, hey, I can either be a team player and risk not making the final, or I can ensure that I'm going to the final, I'm going to pick ensure I make it to the final. So I, I have a feeling that played a lot into their decision. <laughs> oh, for sure. For episode 15, before the challenge... Veronica and Rachel say that Tanya wants everyone. Uh, oh, I forgot what this one is. This is pretty much more bullying of Tanya uh, by Veronica and Rachel. Uh, Tanya said that um, she wanted to like get a good night's sleep um, and they continue to bother her. So she goes off into another room uh, so she can sleep. And then Veronica goes in there to continue to bother her. Um, and Rachel says that her her perception of the situation is not that um, they're picking on her, but that Tanya is making herself the outcast. And I just don't think that justifies their actions towards her in any way. Um, but that's pretty much all that we get before the challenge for episode 15. And my memory of this challenge is that it happened much earlier in the season than it actually did. I don't remember it being the last challenge for the season. I actually like this one quite a bit. I think this is one of the better ones uh, for this season. But it's called Heart Rate Bungee. And 
The object of the challenge is that you will be paired with another member of your team and you will be taken to the a platform that is suspended um, above water and you and your teammate will be attached to heart rate monitors. And once your heart rate reaches or goes below 100 beats per second, you mean per minute, per minute, you will 100 beats per second would be intense. You would probably be dead. You'd be dead. Uh, You'd be on cocaine and all kinds of stuff. Once you go to 100 <laughs> beats per minute, uh, the platform will release and drop you and your teammate uh, down to the wa water where you will bungee down and back up. So, if you DQ, you will receive the slowest time plus 10 minutes. And they have 30 minutes before the challenge happens to nominate someone to the inf the final inferno. So in this round, there won't be um, a challenge for nomination and then another challenge for uh, the life shield. It will all take place within this one episode. And... The good guys decide that they will again throw in Tanya because Jamie and Shavonda do not want to go against anyone else but Tanya, and I think that's probably the right move for them. And the badasses decide that they... Who do they initially want to throw in? They initially don't want to throw in Shavonda. The guys for the badasses do not want to throw in Shavonda. And the women want to throw in Shavonda. And this starts up a lot of screaming and yelling between the men and the women. And the women say that they should have the final decision because they're the ones that are going into an elimination. And what ultimately happens is the boys concede that they will allow the women to put Shavonda into elimination. And I didn't really get that. I get it from the men's perspective, but I don't think that they should have pushed as hard as they did on this because is there really that big of a difference between Jamie and Shavonda for them to cause all of this trouble? Well, perhaps there is one and two with how these finals generally played out. It really does often come down to your weakest link. So I think this is pretty important, a pretty important decision. I think it's just difficult for us to tell because we really don't know how big the difference is between Jamie and Shavonda. Well, but for like all we know, maybe Jamie, maybe one of them is like doing laps in the morning and the other one's just sitting around smoking and drinking. Well, I think that we know the answer to that because the men ultimately concede to this and are like seem pretty content with it after it's over. That's, that's fair. But. And I think if it was like this was like Katie Doyle and this was the last elimination um, before the final and the women wanted to throw in Katie Doyle, I don't think any of these men would have allowed that. You think Katie's sticking around? Yeah, I think she's going to be there for the final. But that gets us to the final nomination where the badasses throw in Shavonda and the good guys throw in Tanya, and the challenge begins, which leads to... A lot of good moments because the one aspect of this that I did not mention is that when you go up to take your turn to bungee down, two members from the opposing team are allowed to go onto the platform with you in an effort to kind of just like psych you out in a moment from <laughs> basketball and try and keep your heart rate elevated as long as possible. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> sorry, you just dropped a basketball reference and that made my day. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's a pretty apt comparison. 
And there is, it's hilarious because even before, who, who who's the first pair? It's CT, or no, it's not CT. It's Darrell and Landon are the first people to go up for the good guys. And even when they're on the ground, before they've gotten up onto the platform, Abe is like inches away from Landon's face, just like screaming it in his face. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it was made for Abram. Like a drill sergeant, like in front of a recruit. But the only other, I guess, noteworthy moments from this is on Landon and Jamie's turn. It takes, I, what, what do you think, like the median score on this? I would say the median score on this is like anywhere between like one and three minutes, right? But when Landon and Jamie go, it literally takes them two seconds. They're under 100 beats per minute like that. She was at 65. Like, no, that was Landon. Landon oh, was, that was at Landon. Yeah, Landon okay. was at 65. And then she was like, she must have been hovering around like right above 100 before they get dropped. Um, CT gets to, C, I think CT sets the lowest. CT is oh, at yeah. 54 beats per second. And 54 beats per second is like incredible, I think. Like just for like a normal person, like, if you're at 54 beats per second, I think that that's what like is like like quantified as like like a really good like athlete, not like a really good athlete like while they're suspended like above a platform about to bungee jump to the ground. Yeah. What was crazy to me though is when they get to CT and Tanya, like Tanya, those girls had her psyched out. Like she could not relax. I mean, that was that was something to see that. And CT is still under 100 the entire, like, four or five minutes. Yeah, and I don't know if I mentioned at the top, but if you, you have 15 minutes to be able to get your heart rate below 100 beats per minute, and if you're not able to get below 100 beats per minute in the allotted time, you're disqualified. And what is the DQ penalty for this? It's like the oh, best the time plus 10 minutes or something. Slow, yeah, slowest time plus 10 minutes. And Tanya is the only person to DQ for the badasses. And the good guys did not have any DQs. So that means the good guys win and pull ahead in the team bank account totals, which are for the final mission, $80,000 for the good guys and $70,000 for the badasses. Landon wins the life shield for the good guys. CT wins the life shield for the badasses. And Dave Mira, if I don't know if either of you guys noticed it, but he thinks it's hilarious that CT keeps winning for uh, the badasses. He just like every time that CT wins, he starts to laugh. But that gets us into the inferno. Or I guess, what did you guys think of that one overall? I think it was kind of a weird one. Like I measuring their heart rate. Like I don't think that's something that really implemented before. Yeah. Well, there's sense, really. there's this weird rumor that production messed up and forgot that they needed to do one more women's elimination, so they literally had to throw together a challenge in like a day. But like if and, the, this is, but this actually seems pretty complex when they're thrown together in like a day. I'm with you, which is why I don't particularly subscribe to the theory, but that's what's been floated out there for this. Um, but I did like the challenge. Like I thought it was pretty clever actually for what it was. Yeah. I like this one. Um, that gets us into the final Inferno, which is called spinner. And for this challenge, each person is attached to a giant wheel. And then 
on this wheel, you are spun around as, uh, not as fast as you can, but at a pretty steady rate. And so kind of like, think about it like a merry-go-round that's put like on its side. And then you are fastened to it with like, what's, what's the guy that like the medical symbol with the guy that's like spread out. You're spread out like an X. Do either of you know what I'm talking about? What's that guy called? Uh, I don't know if I know. I can picture. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called. I'm looking it up. Google. No. What is that called? I don't know, but I know the image you're talking about. It's like ancient. (laughs) I don't know. Someone write in and tell us what it is. Yep. Challenge Chronicles at gmail.com. The Challenge Chronicles at gmail.com. Each, um, what do we say about this? So it's Shavonda versus Tanya. Um, you are spun around uh, until you drop the flag that is that you have uh, in your hand. And Shavonda, after a fair amount of time, starts to complain that uh, she isn't fastened correctly to her device. And each time that she rotates around, uh, her back starts to like rub against the uh wheel and because of this she starts to um endure a lot of pain and is no longer able to continue drops her flag and tanya wins the elimination and after the elimination is over tanya starts to rub it in uh rachel veronica and tina's faces that she is still there and that they have to deal with her and what else do we have to say about this I think you covered it. It's it's it is what it is. Yeah, I I don't know. Do we have any final words to say about Shavonda? Like Shavonda is like pretty much invisible throughout this, the course of this entire season. That's the that's the one casting thing with this season. I think a lot of the good guys girls are relatively non-factors, including yeah. Jamie, who ends up yeah, winning. who ends up on the winning side. Yeah. And she's probably one of the more successful post-challenge careers in terms of, uh, I guess, quad celebrity, I guess, is probably the better way to put it. There are some out there that have had really great personal lives and regular jobs. But in terms of the celebrity world, she really kind of hit that out of the park. So much of this season is just taken up by Tanya versus Rachel, Veronica, and Tina. That's a significant part, the second half. part of the season. Yeah. I think it's because they just didn't have any other drama to show. And it kind of does. It really does kind of play into it, though, because of what happens here on the final, because Tanya is kind of she's there are multiple reasons the badasses lose the final, but she does play a part in that. And let's just get into it. The final challenge, um, episode 16, Derek and CT talk about what they're going to do with their money if they win. And that conversation is funny because of how long it ends up taking each one of them to win a final. <laughs> and really. Yeah. Like, okay. Hold not, on. Not, not until years later do each of them actually win a final after being in multiple finals. Yeah. Here's the, here's a great question. I know in the benefit of hindsight, we can answer this, but just try to pretend that you're watching the season live. If you had told me, that Derek would win a challenge before CT at this point, I would have thought you were crazy. 
because know. our because only it, view of Derek prior to this, I mean, was, but with how like these things are structured at this point, all they're all team ones. So at that point, like you can just be it's it's so so random on who actually wins. Okay, I could see that. I I guess I'm just looking at the track record of you've got Derek who had a good inferno like his season of inferno too. He's really good on this season in terms of competitiveness and in shape and all that stuff. But on Battle of the Sexes too, he really wasn't. Whereas after watching Inferno one with CT, I would have probably put my money that CT would win one sooner than he did, and it took him all the way to Rivals two, which I, was. And to be honest, like one concrete thing, I know I wouldn't suggest that was because of like Road Rules versus Real World, and Road Rules had generally dusted Real World, which would make it harder for CT to win. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I could see that for sure, because Road Rules did kind of dominate that. So yeah, sure. That gets us into the final challenge with a $150,000 prize. And we will find out later each member of the winning team will receive a Dell plasma TV. The final challenge is called Montezuma's revenge. At this point in time, all of the finals are, I think most of the finals are called Montezuma's revenge. What? Or are they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. The, uh, or, the battle of the sexes one, I think was. I think multiple are called. I know they had used it before. Okay, I didn't know if it would just. I thought it was just. Uh, like, yeah, well, I guess so because like both uh, Battle of the Seasons and Battle of the Sexes one were both in Cabo. And I think most of the final episodes are called Handsome Reward, except mm-hmm. for this. yeah. Yeah, I know that Battle of the Seasons is Handsome Reward because they were playing off Road Rules because every Road Rules season finale was Handsome Reward. They should bring that back. But this is a pretty straightforward final, and there really is not much to talk about. This one is much more endurance-based than a lot of the early season finals. I would argue this is the hardest final to this point. Definitely. It's, it's just pretty, so pretty simple, though. Like, it's not like there's not many moving parts. Yeah, yeah I mean, compared to some of the seasons we have seen finish, I mean, it's nothing but... For sure, this to this point, this is the hardest one they've done. Dave Mary describes it as a triathlon, and that's basically what it is without the swimming. So the first leg of the final is that you are left in open water, and you have to paddle to the shore. Once you get to shore, you retrieve a bike where you will go on a 10K bike race. Once you get to a checkpoint, you will go on a 5K run. Once you go on the 5K run, you will be at the Inferno, where you have to solve a riddle, and the first team to solve a riddle and go into the Inferno arena wins the challenge. And I think along the way, do you pick up... Do you do anything? Do you pick up, like, locks? Or... I don't remember. I don't think you do, do you? You just pretty much retrieve the items that you need for the, to complete the rest of the challenge. I think and so. I can't remember, to be honest. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But the first leg... Um, of the challenge is who a two kilometer the, row, uh, yeah. from the ship to the shore. So they're actually in the ocean in a giant raft for two kilometers rowing to shore. And, and one of the funnier moments is Abe just constantly yelling row, row, trying to get <laughs> them to like stay in cadence. And it was not working. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the badasses just suck at rowing in this season. They're not good at it. Yeah, like, it's like another example of that. And 
the good guys are able to pull off to a pretty like sizable lead and never lose it. This mm-hmm. this final is a blowout. Um, this is as much of a blowout as the one from last season uh, with the men versus the women. Mm-hmm. And even before the the badasses get to shore, Tanya falls off of the boat. Um, CT right jumps before- in to get her. <laughs> I think Derek jumps in to get her. Oh, is it Derek? Yeah, Derek jumps in to get her. They get Tanya out of the water. Um, in the second leg uh, for the bike race, the good guys are ahead, but Darrell, the chain on his bike falls off. And I think that they just added that in there to make it look like there was like some like obstacle that the good guys had to overcome in this. And in the third leg... Um, when we get to the run and the good guys are at this point are off to a very sizable lead. Tanya is com- like almost ready to like pass out on the run. And Jamie for the good guys is walking, but at least she's moving. Mm-hmm. And Tina for the badasses also starts to walk. And it gets to the point where the badasses, this happens. This is, I think might be the first time that happens, but different men on the badasses have to pick up Tina and Tina and Tanya and take turns pretty much carrying her until they get to the final stage. Um, and at this point, I think the badasses know that they're going to lose uh, because of how far they are behind. And even though Jamie started to walk, she was at least able to like start to run again and wasn't walking the entire time. And that gets us to the final stage of the challenge where they have to solve a riddle and it's not even, this isn't really a riddle. It's more of like a math problem. The combination to the lock is the age of the first three contestants on each team that were eliminated or on your team that were eliminated minus a certain number. So it was like John eight, John's age minus a number that would be the first digit to the combination and the next two digits would follow the same type of pattern. And the good guys solve the combination, go into the Inferno, and win the Inferno 2. So this one, this elimination was, or this uh, final challenge was fine. I don't think, there really isn't much to say about it at all. No, I mean... It's 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 a pretty typical early season finale. Like, I don't I don't think it's poorly designed by any means. I think it's representative of who the best team was, but um, it's, it's just there's not much to write home about. The yeah. Miz get the Miz gets his last victory to ride off into the sunset with. Landon wins his first challenge. Yeah. Um, I mean, Darrell, Darrell continues his streak of winning. This, this is his, his third. third. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this is his third. Third in three seasons. And then he gets his fourth in fresh meat, right? Wait, no, this is only his second because he's only won four. Because no, he, he won, won Inferno, Inferno one. Oh, he won Gauntlet. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot he was on the Gauntlet. So this is his third one. And then he wins fresh meat. And then he gets kicked off the ruins. I forgot he got kicked off the ruins because of the fight with Brad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, I think it's fine. I don't think this finals. It's not like a disaster. No, I think you had it right. This is fairly typical. I mean, yes, it's the hardest of the finals to this point. I would say, but it's also but, but that doesn't make it compelling to watch necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as 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 hard as a five k run is, I mean that's at the pace they were moving. I can do a five k in about twenty five to thirty minutes, moving at a very moderate pace. So that's just like forty minutes of just probably thirty to forty minutes with how tired and how hot they were at that point. So there's not really anything compelling to show other than just people tired like, and running. Like to put things into context, you know the fun run episode of The Office? Yeah. That, that they ran a 5K in that. Yeah. I think the equalizer. For rabies, right? Yes, for, for, not, not for rabies, to um, provide evidence and broadcast that there was a cure for rabies. <laughs> I've heard that someone mentioned this the other day. That uh, the office is like very rewatchable, and I think that's true. It depends on the episodes. Yeah, like there are definitely well, like some seasons two through four are pretty rewatchable. Outside of that, it's what do you bad. think the most rewatchable show of all time is? Well, outside of the challenge, obviously, I I, re- I rewatch <laughs> I, I Frasier quite a bit. What about Seinfeld? You think Frasier? Yeah, no, Seinfeld is definitely up there too. Uh. Seinfeld's low-key bad, though, for the first few seasons. The first no, two seasons. No, no, get out of here. Oh, dude, it's, it's bad. Rob, dude, I, Trace, I have Trace mute, mute Rob's microphone. <laughs> mute, his, mute his microphone. Oh, my God. I, I, I have George Costanza first, as my profile picture right now, I'm, but, like, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm writing, I'm writing the, uh, the post on the challenge Reddit for that we're looking <laughs> for a replacement right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I would say I would say with Rob though the first two seasons, especially the first season, is very forgettable. Season two oh, has some okay, good Devin, moments. Have you gone rewatch the first season? Yeah, dude, oh, I've seen. De- I've er, I've seen each episode of Seinfeld probably like fifteen times when I was a kid. I, I, like Trace, more. do you remember that it was on? Like how many hours a day? Do you oh, think dude, Seinfeld when I was, was on? all right. So I'm gonna once again show how old I am. Uh, Seinfeld started in syndication when I was in fifth or sixth grade, which would have been 95 or 96. And Seinfeld was on for an hour in the afternoon on a local station. And then it was on for an hour after the local news at 10 every night. And I probably watched both because I was always stuck at home at that odd time in the afternoon. And then I would pretend to be asleep and watch it in my bedroom so I've probably seen them all, especially that like seasons three through six. I've probably seen all of those 50 times. Rob, like each of, yeah, like I'm probably the same too. On Like 13 or 15, whatever I De- said before, De- is probably De- like you're not going to get any rebuttal from me. I love Seinfeld. It's probably like my second yeah. or third favorite show of all time. I'm just saying the first two seasons of Seinfeld are not good. Uh, and see, I would say for me, the most rewatchable show of all time is West Wing because it, inevitably once a year, I wind up watching through the entire series Especially when I'm traveling. Uh, 22 times seven seasons, whatever that is. Jesus, really? Yeah. Holy cow. But so see what I will Frasier do. Frazier's got 11 seasons, so. Yeah, and yeah. so with, it, 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 you just kind of what happens is, is I travel for work all the time. And so you get in a hotel at eight at night and you don't fall asleep till midnight. And yeah. most of the hotels I stay in have Netflix on the TVs now. So you just kind of find something stupid for background noise while you're playing catch up on emails for the day and talking to your wife or whatever. So like 
yeah, I just wind up rewatching West Wing every year at some point. And then the rest of the time I watch the challenge on my Plex server usually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have been rewatching this past season of the challenge quite a bit. Like when I run in the morning, cause I, I throw on this season of the challenge. Yeah. This season being War of the Worlds, not Inferno 2. Sorry to date yeah. the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Now, War of the Worlds has been great. So to kind of finish off so we can get uh, finished here in the next couple of minutes here. So letter grades on this season. I went into this season giving it a higher grade and left it with a lower grade. And it wasn't I, because it was I mean, a bad season. I just think it really I, – I as much as I love the characters in this season, as much as I love the early part of this season – Episodes like eight through the end start to just get boring. I'm still I I I still have it as like an A minus season. I don't think I'd move it really around in my rankings at all from before outside of putting in War of the Worlds above it. But See, I, I had I think I had this as an A minus or an A when we started, and I actually lowered it to a B plus. I was the only one that had this outside of my top five, wasn't I? I, I, well, I had a number six. Thinks, I think it was my number six or number five. I can't remember. You were, you were a little bit higher than me. I remember Trace, and then the people I say I want to say had it um, like just outside the top six. Yeah, I and I would actually I would say just to, I know we're dating this now because we've mentioned War of the Worlds. I would move War of the Worlds to two or three, and Inferno two drops out. Yeah, I, I don't like reacting to it so immediately like that, but I I would think it probably ends up as number three for me. So, so yeah. So, uh, favorite moment from the season. There are a lot of good moments in this season and some of the seasons that we've covered at this point, it's kind of a struggle to come up with like, um, like a really like standout most seasons, moment. Most seasons have at least one, one. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I have the one standalone moment and I think Devin, you'll agree when I say it, the Ms. Brad wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> By far. All right, let's go. I think the the Julia, I think Julia on the bike is so much funnier than that, honestly. I would rank that number two. What is Julia on the bike? Oh, oh. Oh, on the little mini bike where she looks all crazy and runs off. (laughs) I remember, Rob, you brought this up like before we even got to this point is like one of like the funniest moments. And I like didn't even remember what it was. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's even close to. Oh, my gosh. I, I think the Julie thing is so much funnier. I think the okay. Abram Brad elimination is the best overall, but the um, Julie on the bike is definitely my funniest moment. Yeah, of the season. see, to me, that Abram Brad elimination is the first great elimination of the show. Like prior to that point yeah. on the gauntlet, it was eh. On Inferno One, there was some, but there were still too many janky carnival game type stuff. And the best elimination was the one where everybody got drunk and started screaming at each other. And so, like. Abram Brad really is like the first great elimination that kind of sets the tone for what comes. I agree. I think those are probably the three defining moments of this season that most people still remember to today. If I had to give a letter grade for this season, I would probably go B plus. Yeah. Because to try and uh, go against the, the peak end theory or peak end bias of just I had I, I gave it an overall rating of eighty one for mine, but out of like put that into con uh, out of a hundred yeah but to put that into context like the duel I have is number one with an overall rating of ninety, so huh very cool yeah but I think we can all agree worst daily challenge ever shirt off my back 
Yes. No, we, we, we've already discussed this. Oh, wait, Pop Culture, Pop Culture by Culture John. By yeah, it's followed very closely by Shirt Off My Back. I think, no, I think Shirt Off My Back is worse. Oh, I think it's we don't close, need to, we, we don't need to relegislate this argument. I'm I know we've already that. argued this, but after more reflection, I still think Pop Culture Bike Jump is worse, and Shirt we Off My Back up, is very close behind it. We should put up a poll to this. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, we no, what we need to do is one of our top six episodes will be top six worst daily challenges and let the people decide. <laughs> I, think, well, I think what we do then is just have top six missions, and then we can have a worst of category as well. Okay. I'm down. I don't think we really want to have vote. I I don't want to have to go through and pick out like the 40 worst missions of the show and then (laughs) vote on how bad they are. I think you just have to pick the top 20 of both and just let the people decide from there. Lord almighty. Those two are in a tier of their own though. <laughs> no, but like, there's some of the first four seasons that are really bad. Like what? Like, someone like Battle of the Seasons. Oh, like, like, there's plenty of them. I the roller know. coaster ice cube thing was pretty bad. Yeah, there's there's a ton that are terrible. But at least you have Puck in that mission, so it automatically makes it better than the other I, two. That, that's a very fair point. <laughs> at least we knew what was going on in those. Like in Shirt <laughs> Off My Back, we had no clue. It took us like half an hour to decide what the rules actually were yeah, but that's part and of the what fun. the heck Dan's like idea was. Into. And even even then, we still weren't like 100% confident in what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the fun of it, though, trying to figure out what's going on. Have the, the um, like Veronica afterwards saying they need to take something from this mission to move themselves forward. <laughs> The way that they edited it, too, it made it seem like they knew that they weren't going to be able to convey what was going on. So they just tried to get it over with as quickly as possible and move on to, like, the next, like, piece of content. It's like, all right, let's get this over with. You know what? Maybe maybe I will raise, you know what? I will. I actually would wager that our 30-minute conversation about Shirt Off My Back is more entertaining than the actual challenge. 100%. 100%. Oh, I don't know about that. I think our 30-minute conversation might have lasted longer than the production meeting it took them to figure out how to make the mission. <laughs> it definitely lasted longer than the actual mission because yeah, the, actual, the actual, actual mission was like, like 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's like 90 seconds. And you compare that to some of these missions, which are like half the episode. <laughs> All right, oh, well, let's get it. let's get out of here. Uh, that wraps up our last episode on Inferno 2. The next time uh, you will hear our voices will be for our companion episode about the top female competitors of all time. If you uh, still want to vote in the poll that we have going, Rob, where can they do that? Uh, so there should be the link in the description of the episode. And if you go to my Medium account, that's medium.com at Inc. 16 you'll find the polls up there on any of my articles. And then, Rob, did you have anything else you wanted to plug? No, that's it for right now. Perfect. If you want to reach out to us, you can. Oh, actually, uh, real quick. Uh, if, yep. you go to Dra- if you go to the DraftKings YouTube page, you can check me out on Pat Mayo's Challenge Recaps there. I appear every three to four weeks. And even when I'm not on it, it's still a pretty good listen. Perfect. And with that, you can reach out to us at thechallengechronicles.gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya.